this should be another episode of By the Numbers League of Legends edition. And just as a heads up, we're going to do it like, yeah, we're going to do the matches and we're going to talk about it like we do breaking down who to pick, etc. But we're going to do it like a hybrid semi-inside style again. Because this time, unfortunately, because of the major and some other things I had going on, we go into an event for next week. I haven't had any time to schedule or summon the insight. So we'll, we'll try to cover all the topics that we generally cover in, in a weekly show. So please mute that mic, Samuel, the producer. Thank you. Now, on that note... <laughs> This show is sponsored because it's got a producer. Remember, it's not me clicking all the buttons here. It's sponsored by Alpha Draft. And the thing about Alpha Draft is when you play Alpha Draft, it actually doesn't matter how much you know about the game. It actually doesn't matter if you even pick the player for the right reason. It doesn't matter if that player played really well, as long as he got a lot of assists, a lot of kills, not too many deaths, got, got a lot of farm. All that matters is at the end, you get that Skrilla. And the key thing about Skrilla is, Skrilla is truth. Skrilla is tangible. No one can take that away from you. Well, the government will try, but Skrilla is something that doesn't matter if you're feeling down, if you feel like you fucked up or whatever. As long as you have that Skrilla at the end, it doesn't matter. Like if let's say you were people don't think you're that good at the game, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't deserve that money. Maybe like an Ember player. Doesn't matter. As long as that money's in your bank account, they can't touch it. You're like Al Capone at that point in time. You're untouchable. So that's about enough references there to start the show. How are you doing, Monty? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. I'm in Junju. Exciting times for the final week of champions here in Korea. Okay. So there's lots that we can talk about, Monty, but I actually want to start the show with what is the juicy topic that everyone will want to hear talked about, Monty, which is that I did my predictions for the first round of the playoffs. And there was four matches, if you remember, four quarterfinals for LCS. And I, I listen... I, I have a bit of renegades in me, mate. I lost four <laughs> games in a row. And even the ones I'm supposed to win, I lost those two. So I lost them all, money. I got all four of them wrong. I got Some of them I got overwhelmingly wrong. And uh, what do you think of this? What, what, do, what do I think about getting the matches yeah, wrong? Uh, what topic, apparently, you know? I think that... Um, well, I think I got three of them wrong. So... Uh, at least in regards to what already happened, I think it's very interesting that Fnatic and TSM showed up in, in the way they did. I think it was surprising that the Origin Unicorns of Love match, I think Unicorns of Love played well below uh, the level that I had seen them at previously. That was probably the least clean uh, quarterfinal matchup. Uh, I expected TL to beat Energy, so that wasn't too much of a surprise to me. But... Yeah, the I think the real ones to talk about are the Fnatic and TSM ones because nobody could have expected that they actually had it in them, basically, to do that. But I think that the two weeks off before the playoffs helped them sort of review how teams were winning in Korea and especially with Fnatic, the Rocks Tigers, and what they were doing with their draft and how they played. And okay, so once they got that... Yeah. So there's some of these we're going to get into, okay? I'll take it like series by series. But the point, one of your right. problems you've made here, my friend, is you, you've, you've done the classic mistake wrong. Uh, your problem is you're trying to do analysis and you're trying to like think of the context. That's a mistake, okay? All the people on Reddit who don't do analysis but think they're doing analysis and want to do analysis, they don't do any of that stuff. What they say is you're supposed to say if you got all four wrong, you're obviously the worst you know nothing about the game, and you can you can actually never be right. Like if you were ever right in the past, it was a fluke. Remember, remember that, Monty. This is how the ledger works. Okay, if you're ever right, that's a fluke, and if you're ever wrong, that's actually proof proof positive. You don't know what you're talking about. So in a way, they always win, right? I can't win actually. So the key thing to note, by the way, when you started listing the context there, some very interesting context that you mentioned was. 
that two of the matchups, as far as I know, no one predicted. I don't know any. No, no, nobody. I'm talking about the people. I'm, I'm not someone who knows a lot about League of Legends. Like, I know an okay amount, and I watch it, and I know how to be a pundit. I know how to shape opinions around that and to create a compelling argument, and from the very little I do know, to explain why I, I think that or why I think that case is okay. So that's where I can add a little bit of value, and hopefully it's bolstered by someone else with more analysis, giving their reason why for or against whatever I've said, right? But here's the thing. People like Jat, all these people who we all know are experts at the game. I don't know any of these people who had TSM beating C9. And I definitely no. don't know anyone who had Fnatic beating Cloud <laughs> Vitality. Most people I know yeah. were saying Vitality were going to stomp Fnatic, that they were just going to brutalize yeah. them completely, and that, you know, Kabashad would be the MVP and no one would be able to stop him. And, and so, so let's forget the other results for the moment, because the other two were the ones where at least there could be discussion on it. Like Origin obviously was kind of slumping, as I agree with you. I think I had, I think I had both those series three to two. So. I, I never thought either would be stumps for either team, but okay, I'll accept that it was kind of ballsy to pick unicorns of love and team and NRG to win those. I obviously knew I was being ballsy on those ones. I think it was fairly <laughs> obvious to say C9 was going to beat TSM. The team were one, yes, one of the teams right. with the best shot calling in the league versus a team with no shot calling in the league up until that series. <laughs> That's not unreasonable. Yep. <laughs> also, yeah, just a lack of coordination too. And I, I guess like, there wasn't actually a very strong reason to believe that TSM would beat Cloud9 because, if anything, Jensen probably had a better season than Bjergsen uh, overall. Obviously, Sneaky's been strong. I guess the only points, and Yellowstar and High both have not shown overwhelmingly good mechanics. Like, coming into that match, where would you have put the real advantage? I mean, Rush versus Svenskrin. Rush had a better season. Jensen had a better season. Uh, Hanser isn't as good as some of the other top laners in the league. It's not that he's bad. I mean, he's, he's pretty good, but it's not like he's going to totally thrash balls or anything like that. And you consider that C9 had the better shot calling and it's uh, in the regular season, it's quite a surprise that it turned out the way it did because there wasn't any obvious point of, of strength, I think, for TSM. Do you remember, Monty, when I made a video about Cloud9, another video that was very much criticized, but again, Here's the thing. By the way, I can take criticism. I don't mind if people say I'm wrong. I don't mind if people think I'm an idiot. But the whole point is, if I actually think something, I don't just hide it and go, oh, well, if it, if it turns out I'm right, then I'll come out after the fact. Like, ta-da! See, I actually always thought that. And I, what I do is I put it out there and let, I let it float. And if it's correct, then I'll give you an example of where I've actually, in some ways, probably fucked some other people doing this. Before Worlds last year, privately, people like Kelsey and people like Froscorin told me, I think LGD is the best team in the world. I actually leg legitimately think they're the best in macro, and that they've got the players to win and all this. And I thought they had a point, but I didn't agree with it. So what I said to them is, if I were you, I really would do like some extensive analysis on this. I'd do like an article or yeah. a video series and I'd try and break down why you think they're the best. Here's the key thing, because then if they win, you won't be one of those people who comes out like that. Like, oh, well, I always knew they were good. Of course, they were always going to win. You'll actually be the guy who can say, no, look, I actually outlined this before. And what that'll do is, It'll, it'll be, first of all, it's a great talking point anyway, because it's kind of a controversial opinion, right? Chinese team's the best team in the world, not a Korean team. But also, if you do turn out to be right, that's the, I think that's the reasonable way to do it. You kind of show them that there's a process there. Now, obviously, in that scenario, they would have gotten ultra fucked if they'd have really gone as ham as I ex expect, suspected, because, I mean, they would have come like... Because well, they did write a good article about it. Sure, and did some made, made some good points. But my point here is, like, people only... You notice there was very... Like, there wasn't anyone else linking their video. There was no like, well, in my video, of course, I did say that Cloud9 would fall apart. Everyone just did that classic thing. Like, well, like, I had thought they had problems with the draft all season. Like, shut the fuck up, mate. Like, no, you didn't. Where was that? I didn't see that information. So I've got a question for you. One of the things people top up umbrage with in my C9 video is they thought that I took a lot of stereotypes about the team and just like memed with them, you know, just kept repeating when they don't apply anymore. 
So a stereotype I had, Monty, was that I still don't think Balls is a good player. I just don't think he's even... I to don't me, think he's he is like, either. I think he's like subpar even in NALCS. I don't think he's the top player there. He is. In this series, he got... Let's see. He got two kills in four games. Two kills, four games. By the way, playing Gangplank in two of the games, a champion which everyone always makes fun of because as AoE, right. you can even steal kills. You can get kills that aren't even on your part of the map. You can just literally steal a kill. It, this was quite a poor series from Balls. And, and is he still a liability? I mean, I may, listen, maybe I've oversold it. Maybe he's, like, not good, but he's got issues. How would you evaluate him at the moment? I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's, like, absolutely terrible or anything like that, obviously. But um, I, he's kind of just towards the lower end in a lot of metrics that people use. I mean... He does what only 16.5% of his team's total damage, uh, which is only above Billy Boss, Lurlo, and KFO when it comes to it. Obviously, a lot of this depends on what kind of champions he's playing, but Balls has played a lot of Fiora, I believe, and GP over the course of the season. I'll take a look at that real quick, actually. Um, and so that's like, it's not great to see. Let me see what he's been playing. Yeah, he's played Poppy, Fiora, Shen, Trundle, GP, a lot of tanks. So maybe it's a little bit fair to say that. He just doesn't impress me. It doesn't look like he's actually carrying much of anything at all in these games. Um, he just seems like a total non-factor, really. And so I guess that's a, that's the thing. It's like he's not actively harming the team, but he's not really doing much. Either. Okay. So in this series, Monty, one of the things you'll notice is that, first of all, TSM banned Lee Sin every game. And then in some games, they also, if they were on red side, banned out Nidalee as well. So it's they're pretty much telegraphing there, like, we're not going to let Rush go off. I mean, that's like the strategy, right? With the bans? I mean, you'd think that, right? Um, especially because they still had a fine champion pool, especially with um, uh, Svenskeren playing Graves so well that if you are worried about getting styled on mechanically by the Lee Sin, then that makes a lot of sense, that you just go for that. And then you, what you try and do is you limit the mechanical plays, the outplays that uh, Rush could do early, and then you just try and farm up Svenskeren to the mid and late game to team fighting, which is kind of what they did. And so instead... With, like, got with like Kindred. We got Rush on four games of Kindred. By the way, he had played zero in the whole split. This was a Lee Sin, Nidalee, Gragas player. And he played zero Kindred games. He played all four here. This Here's what's funny. It, the trend is repeated again, where, again, Rush is on this scenario where he wins game one, he loses a series in this sort of a situation like he did, has in the past with Tip. And it's true, people often ban him out. But he also does make weird picks. He made those new, new picks that we had in the past. And now we've got this Rush on Kindred four games. What did you think of his actual play? How do you evaluate it? Uh, like he didn't know the limits of the champion particularly well. Um, it wasn't even just the champion. It was the way that he was playing the game that was the problem. Just like he wasn't communicating well with his teammates. He was out of position on multiple occasions. Um, he was late to counter ganks, which got, which got him killed. He especially played bad at game number four. So I don't, I don't know. And that's the weird thing too, is that in, especially in the last game, he, got first blood for balls and looked like he was going to be playing well. And then he just randomly died a bunch of times getting caught out over and over and over again, and threw away the lead that the team had. So 
he's just really unstable as a player. He's when he's good, he's so good, but he's just wildly inconsistent, even within the same game. He makes a smart decision followed by a really bad one immediately thereafter. Because obviously, as you kind of mentioned in your preface, this should have been one of the biggest mismatches in this game. Svenskeren has had a really poor season. He hasn't even yeah. synergized well with Bjergsen. Meanwhile, one of the best aspects of Cloud9, yeah, obviously Jensen's sick, but has been Rush, actually. He's been pretty good. And especially if you give him his champions, he is the guy where if you give him Lee Sin and you give him Elise, he's going to go off. He's just going to have games where he just dominates and he gets a snowball going and he's sick. And again, it's like, yes, team, yes, I'll give him them credit. TSM did ban well. But then he didn't help yep. him out. Like, I mean, he, he kind of showed some weakness here. Yeah, again, I think it was it wasn't necessarily the kindred. It was more just the way he was playing that day. The kindred is a really strong pick right now. What's well, the same scenario, um, remember, with the Nunu? Nunu was a good pick. Everyone was playing. That was when Beggy was playing. But the problem is Rush didn't know about Nunu. So he was flash snowballing people and thinking that's how you yeah, play Nunu. Yeah, he did, he did better this time, I would say. But in terms of knowledge of the, I don't know. It, it's so hard. Like he was out of position so many times that it was just kind of ridiculous. And obviously they targeted him very heavily because they banned out his two most played champions this season, which are at least in Italy. But the other aspect of this too, is that cloud nine, I don't think was really on point with what they were doing in terms of their draft either. Uh, in fact, like, especially game one, which they won, I really don't like their draft, which is, like the the standard draft right now is going to be a, a melee tank support and a tank top laner with uh, some sort of utility mid laner and then two eighty carries, one in the jungle or two carries. Like it's either going to be Nidalee, Kindred, or Graves in the jungle, and then uh, usually some sort of either priority on like Sivir, uh, usually as an eighty carry um, or Corky. So. Coming into game one, running GP without a... If you're going to run GP top, you probably should run a tank jungler like Gragas. Now, they did manage to... You know, Jensen went off on the TF. They did manage to win this game, but I hardly think it's ideal. And then they start to run an assassin in the mid lane in game number two, obviously wanting to get on top of Bjergsen and, and cut that down, cut the Azir down. But they don't really have much of... It's like sort of a 4-1 split composition. But without double TPs, you just can't respond quite as well to what they're doing. And Bjergsen doesn't have to take TP in that case. It gets to take Exhaust instead. They take two Exhausts, and the the Zed really can't team fight unless he snowballs wildly out of control during the laning phase. Uh, I also don't like TSM's composition in the third game. Uh, but it's, it's better because at least they've got some more tankiness uh, to it, and they've got the Elise for some pick potential. Uh, Cloud9 in game three has the same problem that they have in game number one in terms of composition. And then finally, they sort of get it right in the last game, but I have no idea why High is picking Braum. And I think it's because Yellowstar drafted the Braum really early and High had played Braum in all the other games. But basically, like you're criticizing Rush here, but High also deserves to be criticized because he basically doesn't have a champion. He has Braum and I guess Morgana, which is yeah. not a meta pick. Alistair is a million times better than, than Morgana. This is actually something I did mention in my video about Cloud9. I actually said one of the issues I had with High was like he was doing well. Obviously, shot calling was helping, but he had played so many games on Morgana. It's like no one ever banned it against him. And obviously, in this series, TSM came with the Morgana bans. I think he's in also game played seven games of Alistair this season, but Alistair is clearly the better pick in this draft. 
I don't get that at all. So, okay, one of the things about this game as well is it had these two superstar mid laners. Like, these are two of the best Western mid laners who've been really good. I mean, Bjergsen obviously had, had some issues in the split, but we know he's still, he's still money in the bank. You get into a playoff scenario. In this series, I realize, I want to ask also how the teams use them, but you just look purely at the scoreboards. This looks bad, mate, because they're literally playing like the same champions. Like Bjergsen's playing as it. He's having a wicked time. Jensen's getting on his ear. Not a lot got happening. Bjergsen's playing on... Uh, uh, Jensen's playing on Zed. Can't do that much with it. Classic Zed game from Bjergsen goes completely off. What do you make of the mid lane matchup? Because this was another area where it, this felt like Jensen's time. This should be this, the team's around him. This is his time to like take the mantle. Maybe nerves. I guess I don't really know. It's kind of confusing. It, it could be a, a nervousness issue for sure. Um, well, here's the thing, but he did. You do realize that's the first playoff series he's ever, That's the first playoff series he has ever played in his career. Because he wasn't in the playoffs last Didn't season. He, he only he only played in the gauntlet. True. So all he got to do that's last true. year is play the teams who all failed in the gauntlet. He got to play Team Liquid. He got to play Gravity. He got to play, who was the first one they played? TIP, I assume. Yeah, he just got to play all these teams that themselves weren't mega. So again, I realize everyone, I'm not trying to do this as like a, a hindsight scenario, but whenever someone's never yet played in a playoff scenario in a big series, I always have like a question mark and I'm waiting for that question mark to answer before I can say, here's your full stamp of approval. You're su you're a legit superstar. You've proven it. That's why I, that's why I was so unsure about the team liquid result. I realized everyone else had them winning because they had way better macro, but I didn't know if the startup guy was going to pick Lee Sin, go full damage and then just shit the bed. That could happen. Yeah. And that's These really, things can happen when you're actually, rookie, you know, I really don't like that the fact that he went the full AD Lee Sin, especially in game number two. I mean, certainly he had 12 kills in the game. It was the main carry, but it's really, really risky to do that. I mean, props for pulling it off. But as I say, listen, put it this way, more people fail in those scenarios than succeed. There's a reason why every yeah. split of LCS is like, look at these two or three new people who are going to be really good. And then most of them, you don't hear about them a year later. They, they just disappear and they're back in Challenger or they're just average players. And we don't expect anything from them anymore, you know. Yeah, and the, the problem, too, with what, with what Dardock was doing is that because he had all the money on his team in, that in game number two of that series and he built all AD, if other members of his team, and Piglet did get caught out a couple times that game, if the other members of his team keep getting caught out and he ends up in a late-game scenario where he's the only damage threat, on, or he's the basically, he's full damage, what happens is because he can't, if he goes in, he's just going to get locked down by crowd control and die before he can actually do much of anything. And if he dies, all the money goes with him, and then everybody else dies too on his team. So it's really, really risky to do that. What do you think in the Cloud9 TSM series, what happened in terms of like, remember the main storyline, forget players as to why Cloud9 was supposed to win. Is TSM had quite poor shot calling. They looked very, they looked, they looked like that scenario where they were less than the sum of their parts. Meanwhile, Cloud9 looked great. They looked like they knew how to play the game. They knew how to work at all different points. In the game. What do you think went wrong in that sense for Cloud9? Or, or was better on TSM side? Whichever side you want to go I think, on. I think it's easier to, to talk about what was better on TSM side of it. It, it just looked to me like Cloud9 was okay with a little bit of the, the skirmishing and the action in the early game. But what TSM did was that they played around the minion waves better and they played around grouping and diving turrets better. And Cloud9 seemed a little bit delayed every single time um, to when the team fights were happening. And then they, when they team fought, they were really not very cohesive. 
as a unit. They would use ultimates on like one or two people only or try and skirmish. So it looked like everybody was having problems from Cloud9 getting in one place at the same time. And then they would start fights before everybody was there, use their ultimates in suboptimal ways. And then TSM would just walk in, group up and crush them. It was pretty easy, actually. I mean, CS, C9, I think, played quite poorly. Like, they didn't so, know how to team fight at all. The question on TSM, then, is, like, obviously, with the talent they have, this is the nightmare for every other team. If they ever got their shit together, they have the talent on that roster where they could be very, very good. Obviously, this is a team that, at the beginning of the season, yeah. we thought could be a contender for the championship. Beating C9, obviously C9 had problems. How much of it is like C9 problems? Like, is TSM legit now? Is TSM potentially going to go to the final? I think TSM could go to the finals, yes. In fact, I'll be I'll make the bold prediction this time, Thorin, and I'll say that I think TSM is going to beat Immortals. Um, I think it'll be a close series. I think it'll be 3-2. But here are my reasons for, for thinking this. So one of the factors that really helped out immortals during the season was that huni had such an exceptional season right a regular exceptional regular season as a top laner just to put this in perspective like puni did his damage per minute was 610. the nearest player behind him who actually played a, a meaningful number of games was darshan who had 404 dpm that's over 200 difference it's absolutely enormous um so for a top laner, that's pretty that's pretty damn impressive. The other thing that's really important to note is that Huni had, did 27% of his team's damage, which, again, the only one who had a meaningful number of games was Darshan, who did 21%, so 6% difference in terms of his total team damage. That is absolutely crazy uh, to have that difference between basically the first and the second. Um, so here's the thing. We're not in a meta right now that rewards carry top laners, right? So, yes, there are some options, like uh, Rise primarily is going to be one of them. I think that Immortals is going to have to actually dig pretty deep with Huni to figure out some champions that he can actually carry with. There's the obvious Echo pick, because he's picked it a lot this season already. But if we look at Huni's other picks, and yes, they've been diverse, but it's been like win damage echo not tank echo tank echo is very much better right now cho'gath fiora gangplank graves you see these are all champions that don't have a lot of versatility right now or a lot of use on the present patch and i think that tsm does have a pretty solid grasp of the meta and what to do and that big math mismatch that we might see between um Ponser and huni if huni is contained onto kind of not not meta carries not the most powerful carries like rise or echo and which is what they did against rush remember in their band phase they tried to shut rush down on some of his biggest picks but there really aren't that many meta choices for damaged top laners right now meanwhile there are a ton of meta tanks you could just put hauntser on a tank and say fuck it and then the rest of the team is can perform pretty well i think adrian uh there are nerfs that came into a lot of his champions and i don't think he's going to be able to play in the same manner anymore pobelter uh i don't think his champion pool is particularly relevant he's played most of his games on lux and lulu lulu got nerfed lux isn't really in the meta anymore and then otherwise it's like syndra and twisted fate so tf so, okay, i guess here's my, here's my question then is okay we know Holtz can play tanks it's actually one of his specialties like i think that's one of the things exactly. he's shown a good history of here's the question though so if you're immortals you're going down the path of where they like follow the meta 
can you even follow the meta? Because here's the thing. First of all, Huni isn't no. known as a tank player. And to me, I don't think you can actually take that risk. I think you have to put him on the carry champions because take that out of the equation. You've just explained there. Pobalter is not playing carry mid laners. So now you're literally putting the whole game on fucking Altec. Uh, Wild Turtle, rather. Well, the, yeah, well, you're putting the whole game on Wild Turtle again. Well, it's just crazy to me because right now, Rainover has zero games on either Graves or Kindred, who are the two most potent picks alongside Nidalee in this jungle meta, meta. And he's got two games on Nidalee, but he's on tank jungles like Rek'Sai or Gragas or Elise. And these are okay, but basically TSM, we now know, can just take the Gragas and put it at the top lane, right, away from you. So I think I think TSM is definitely the stronger, they have the stronger champion pools in this meta. Now, maybe I'm wrong because I'm just going off of what historically Immortals has done this season. For all I know, Immortals is perfectly ready for this meta. They've been practicing for three weeks. I haven't seen a game of theirs. I don't know. But I just don't think that with the champion pools available, if Rise and Echo are champions that Huni can't get his hands on, where where does he go from there? Basically, the rest of the meta champion pool is tanks at that point in time. So is he going to play Maokai? Is he going to play uh, Nautilus or Poppy? Like, I don't know. It's not really in his wheelhouse. And the fact that it's not in his wheelhouse is problematic for Immortals because they have relied so heavily this season on Huni's damage output. So if he gets shut down or has to be put on a tank, who picks up the slack at that? It's not Popelter. It's not, in, well, maybe it's Wild Turtle. But uh, the, the point is, is that Rainover needs to be more of a damage threat because it is a carry jungle meta. And he's been playing mostly tanks. Yeah. So yeah, it has to be Wild Turtle or Rainover. I think, I think that logically makes sense. I mean, when you talk like that, I think that that primes the series for Bjergsen just go fucking ham in the series. Like, I think that's the mismatch here. Is if if you're gonna put it where Pobot has to be some sort of threat. Now every fan likes to. It's funny they all think they're all sick analysts. You know, they all think they use stats and use fucking relevant. They don't. They use storylines as well. So their storyline will be like this, Monty. Yes, but remember when Pobot won the championship against Bjergsen in CLG? Oh, you mean when essentially Bjergsen was forced to play Yasuo two times so that Darshan didn't get it and shit all over Darius's face. So, as, so when he don't force Bjergsen to play champions, he doesn't want to play. I think he's going to body the fuck out of Pobata, who will just do, as we're saying here, just play, chill on the same champions. So either Pobata will be a known yeah. factor or Bjergsen will just get busy. I mean, so, here's the key thing with Bjergsen. His champion pool is mad, mate. He can go wherever he wants. He can go as the Zed, whatever the fuck he wants, the Sandra. He could probably still even play Syndra if he really wants to keep forcing that like he did in the split. I think he can do whatever he wants in this series. So here's here's why I think it. Now I'm going to make the same prediction that I would have made in the like, or that I made actually. Let me rephrase that. That I made along the lines of logic when I did when we talked about TSM, because I made a prediction about TSM based on their historical performance, not what I thought could reasonably change over two weeks. I haven't really seen anything from Immortals this season that leads me to believe that they're going to drastically change where their damage output comes from and start to put Huni on tanks. Now, if they do that, I think Immortals can win this series. If they actually play in the meta, and they play the power picks of this meta, and they show that they've adapted during these three weeks, which they absolutely could do, then I think Immortals are, will win. But as it stands right now, I do not believe, because Immortals has been wildly unflexible uh, this season. They have, not, they have definitively not gone with the meta, right? They've been playing their own game, with weird champion picks and weird decision-making and over-aggression from Rainover, 
seemingly arbitrary attempts at kills at times, um, especially in the early game. Sometimes they they take some very high risks. And with the way that TSM played last week, I see a, a lot of strength and a lot of knowledge of where to be and when that I haven't seen as precisely uh, from from Immortals. So as of right now, I take it 3-2 TSM. I think Immortals is still talented enough to take a couple of games, but I do think there that there's a, certainly a possibility of an upset right now. Also, the reason why I brought it up that I don't think it's going to happen anyway is I don't think Hooney plays like that, mate. I mean, you saw him at Worlds. This is the guy who played five Riven games at Worlds. He, he's, he, know, he knows how he wants to play, and he's going to play that way. So I don't think they're going to get through to him. I don't think they probably want to. They probably want to give him... I think they probably have to even play these carry tops if they want to win. Huni has to be a mad factor in the series to win to win him, I think. So I'm kind of sold. I think I think you make good points on that one. I think it should still be close, though. You have to realize like, they, they do have yeah, a very yeah, good yeah, team. Of course. Obviously. And obviously, you still can't count. Like, like even though everyone's going to do this, you can't make out like, oh, yeah, TSM's fixed everything. I guess it was just they, they were eating... Uh, actually like shredded wheat and it turns out wheaties is the breakfast of champions so now they are actually now just going to win everything like no i think probably tsm will it's still be a fucking hard battle if they're going to win these games and they haven't solved the problem yet they are not yet mentally unbreakable so what about the other quarterfinal in na team liquid versus nrg now obviously it was uh, sealed Oh, we're going to talk no, about that one. Uh, yeah. So, so team, like, I mean, you mentioned the Dardock Lee Sin game, but aside from that, what were the big factors here? Uh, <laughs> I mean, energy was just a mess. I, I like, I actually don't think there's a lot to say about this series based on. It, they just didn't do anything in any of these games, right? Moon looked horribly out of place. Again, there's an issue with judging what the proper metagame is. They didn't have enough damage. Like, Oriana, Rek'Sai, and then the Maokai are not particularly good uh, trio when it comes to producing damage. So yep. I, I also don't like Dardoch on the Gragas jungle in conjunction with Phoenix on the Azir. I think that it was, it was necessary, obviously, because the, of the way the bans were and the fact that Kindred, Thindley, and Graves were all banned out. So that's another factor to consider. If Moon got grazed in game two, but didn't do anything on it, and then it forced Dardock onto the Lee Sin, which obviously he did well, but I don't didn't like his build. Um, the way Team Liquid played, one thing that I noticed that was interesting was that uh, they were split pushing a lot with Callista, and this is a really bad idea considering that Callista was just changed so that you don't get the your full attack speed unless your support is in the lane with you or your Oath Sworn, whatever you want to call it. So he ended up just sort of dying a lot in game number two to random collapses where he couldn't duel properly. You have to remember that you you need to sort of stay grouped up with your support right now with Callista. So the split pushing, the 80 carry split pushing I thought was odd, especially with that champion. I don't think it was really good in any circumstance, but especially with the Callista since the changes, it was a bad idea. So yeah, I mean, then we saw more Kindred, Nidalee, and Graves bands coming out in the third game of the series, forcing Dardock back on the Gragas and uh, energy again, suboptimal composition, having all tech and GBM on Jin and Varus, trying this poke composition, not a great idea against so much backline threat. I mean, remember everyone was willing, giving undue amounts of credit and props to Hermit for the origin picks and bans at Worlds and what a fantastic job this guy's done. I mean, 
NRG's been a mess the whole split long, and this wasn't really a stellar drafting seg section for this playoff series. Yeah, the team might be a... a, a you can only work with the tools you've got, but I don't know that these drafts were the best for these players even. I mean, you're asking a lot of fucking Altec in, in that sort of a scenario. Yeah, Altec hasn't had a great season, and then putting it on Jen is, I agree, a bit questionable. Now, what did you actually think? Because one of my points I made in my video is to me... Like, I've never been that impressed with Phoenix. I think he is pretty overrated. I mean, I did also point out a pretty good stat, which is that in his whole career, the guy had basically only one fucking real series over, like, dog shit CLG that had Link and that sort of a team, you know. They didn't... All the rest of the wins were, like, third-place games. So, it's like, yeah, Wicked, yeah, great. That's the game that literally doesn't matter in every fucking tangible sense. So, yeah, I mean, that good. I, has, I thought JVM would style on him, but... Obviously, that didn't really happen. Has, but then again, I don't know what GVM was meant to do in this series. I watched it. He was in hell. <laughs> Impact was especially in hell, man. He tried really hard to carry, but couldn't do much. I mean, Phoenix has had the highest, uh, actually, CS per minute farm in the world. It's kind of impressive. But okay. I think he... Also, he got Azir, which has traditionally been his best champion for a couple games in this best of three. Went off on Zed, though. I mean, I think he's doing pretty well. In the series, sure. So, okay. What do you actually make then of Team Liquid as a side? I mean, for example, okay, so I gave I gave a little bit of shade there to Hermit because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to stand by results and get credit for them, well, you go stand by results and get the diss as well when you don't do very well. But <laughs> on the other on the other side of the coin, that's also the reason why I give props to coaches where I see a track record of success. So. Loco Doco, I've always said he was a good coach. Obviously, he's done a good job here with these rookies. Over in Europe, it's now easier to see that Daylor's a good coach because he lost a bunch of his star players, and the guy's still fucking getting wins even when he's actually the underdog at IEM in this quarterfinals. So yep. you can see that there's something to it. They're either the luckiest guys in the world that success follows them around <laughs> at the big moments, or there's something to what they're doing. So on the, on the TL side of things, even though they stomped, it sounds like you're not totally sold on them. Um, actually, I really liked uh, some of the stuff they were doing with Maokai, where they were sacrificing farm and just having Lurlo make plays around the mapping game, too. It's something that <clears throat> I think uh, also that KT Rolster realized when they were having Sunday on Maokai, that he needs fewer items now that he has scaling magic resist. So basically, you can use him as like a second jungler, a second support, where you can sacrifice a lot of farm on him uh, just to make plays with TP on the other side of the map and just come in every five minutes and try and create a gank and try and create a play uh, and therefore feed the jungler and the AD carry. So I think Team Liquid had that nailed down, which was which was very intelligent. Um, I'm still not, like I said, I'm still not entirely sold by a lot of their draft selections. Um, I mean, having Matt on Janna and, and Karma, I just don't think is as ideal as some of, again, the melee supports Alistair should be the highest priority champion. Brom or Trundle or Bard also, I think, especially Trundle and, and Brom and to a lesser degree Bard also are going to be successful. So the Janna picks in NA kind of confuse me. Um, By the way, I yes, think the best thing to come out of this series was like Darduk going off because I mean, who doesn't want that? A rookie who actually might be legit is an, a real NA talent and actually did come out of the challenger scene and now is potentially going to show himself to be one of the better Western players. That would be awesome if that storyline can continue. Sure. 
I mean, I think Dardox had a great season and was well deserving of the the rookie of the split. Did you like how people started linking that episode of SI where we were laughing at uh, at Steve? It, just so people know, he wasn't Dardock was not MVP. He wasn't close to MVP status. Did he have a good season? Absolutely, especially for a rookie. Well deserving of rookie of the season. And in fact, when Steve said that, we didn't say anything about him not being rookie of the season. I think I said, like, I think he might be rookie of the season, but he's not going to be him. And he wasn't. No, that's how dense, dense people are, by the way. Like, first of all, again, yeah, we didn't address rookie of the season. Like, haha, you said he wouldn't be MVP, but he won rookie of the season. Yeah, that, they're not even vaguely connected awards. <laughs> it's actually very rare that the rookie of the season would even be considered as good as the MVP. Because guess what? He's a rookie. Like, it doesn't even make sense, does it? <laughs> Anyway, By the way, let's be, let's be real. To this day, Liquid One or Two still way off base, suggesting he would be the MVP. There's no way. That's too much to expect from a rookie. Well. It's not Faker, mate. You basically have to be Faker to win the fucking MVP. It's real rookie season, not like a fake rookie season where like you just it's your first one in the West or whatever. Like this is a real rookie season. So within yeah. the context of the tournament, sure, awesome. Also. Let me just check it, double check this, just because this is a piece of context that, again, obviously people don't include because they're such sick analysts. They don't include any information themselves. They just look at the story. Like, Weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, here's the problem, Reddit. You get mad because I do what you do, but I'm better at it. So get as mad as you want. I'm better than you. So you're basically fucking the old version of Graves and I'm Lucian. So don't get mad that I just do everything you do better. And so you, there's no point <laughs> you existing, basically. Also, the, we did that episode on like the 21st of January. That's at the beginning of the fucking split. Oh, so you guys don't all link the video. Let, you wait until April Dardock, after everything's gone. Dardock had, played one, Dardock had played Remember, one Dardock had played one game. Remember, was terrible at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, they lost their first game of the season to, to the Renegades. I can rest my case. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question, Monty. TL is now playing CLG. And CLG, remember, have the same storyline for C9. They've got a couple of good players, but it's all about the, play, the way they play the map, and the, the shot calling. So can TL upset CLG? Yes. And I think the answer to that is yes. Again, for less severe reasons. Yes. For less severe reasons than I predicted the, the Immortal CSM. Darshan has been the player who has been reliant on these split-pushing carries to win games. And in fact, CLG, I think, was sort of running out of gas at the end of the season and at IEM because once they couldn't split-push with Darshan, Kuhi and Stixay are not good enough to carry that team. And also, they have to avoid standard lanes at all costs because if we actually just think about this matchup, how does TL play? Uh, Dardock comes into a standard 2v2 lane and then Piglet, Matt, and Dardock kill everybody. And then they snowball Piglet. That's typically how they win. Uh, CLG does not have a strong 2v2 lane because Stixay isn't very good. And then they have to lane swap. And what they do is they CLG plays out lane swaps and plays like th the lane swap into a split push very well. But that's about all they can do, right? They're pretty one-dimensional. So I don't really know when we talk about Team Liquid and how they've been playing recently. I just think that if we just even go player for player, I'd take Piglet over Stixay. I'd take Phoenix over Huhi. I'd take Dardock over Xmithy. I'd take, I guess, Darshan over Lorlo, but in a tank meta, doesn't really matter. Doesn't Again, same thing, just ban out the carries. Have Lorlo play Poppy or Maokai or whatever. 
Nautilus. Who cares? So there's only one one mismatch for CLG. You just got Afro though. Yeah, I think Afro is better than that. But that's it, really. I mean, I do think Dorshan is better than Lorlo, but I just don't weight that very heavily, right? Sure. And I think I think I think uh, T, uh, TL is going to be really ready for CLG's abilities to like ability to split push. And in double teleport metas, split pushing is less effective because it's easier to collapse on the split pusher. What what do you think of the approach where CLG, why don't they just ban out Dardock? You think that's doable? Why not do no. they give him the rush treatment? No, I don't think you can. Like, I think Dardock will be able to play anything you need him to play for this particular series. Like it, it, he's play, sure he's played like a lot of Lee Sin this season and a lot of Elise, but he's shown that he can play the Graves in the Italy and just based on the bans that happened in that last series, they must know something because Energy was banning out Nidalee and Graves in every game on red side. So they know something. So will this be a bloodbath though? Will it be a close series? I actually don't think so. I think it's going to be 3-1 Teal. Okay. So bold predictions here. So that means literally we're going to have the, like, let me see. I think that was, I think, wasn't Team Liquid, like, the fourth Six versus team fourth. Yeah. in the final? That's it's a bold crazy, prediction, right? to be sure. Okay. It's a bold prediction, to be sure. Uh, I think it's fairly reasonable, though, the way you've laid it out there. Like, obviously... I mean, it seems pretty likely that most of the things you said here would have to all be wrong for them to lose, basically. like it's, I think you've set it out pretty reasonably there. Okay, so over in Europe, we had a one big upset, which is that Fnatic, the number six seed, also 3 one the three seed, which was Fnatic beat Vitality. Now, in this particular scenario... First things first, like this is where I have to give Dale props. When I look at what he did at IEM and I look at what he did this tournament in, in the beginning of the playoffs, where he doesn't have the old Fnatic lineup, he's changed so much of the lineup that to be a getting again good series wins, playing really competitive against teams that you think are better, it's obviously doing something right. I mean, they do adapt. What's what's amazing about the Fnatic team to me is it's not that they adapt like every week really well, but it's like if you put them in like the pressure situation, they do find some solutions. Like they'll they'll come up with something that could work. Yeah, and what, what I think they did, so I think what, what Fnatic did really well was that they basically just picked as if they were the Rocks Tigers, right? That's what was so interesting to me about this, is that especially game two, Poppy, Kindred, Lissandra, Sivir, Alistair, like no team should be given all five of these picks in the current meta, but Fnatic was the faster ones to adapt, and the way that they played around Team Vitality, it's not like Vitality had necessarily bad picks themselves. Again, a little bit of a lack of a carry jungler from Shook with the Gragas, but considering that Graves and Nidalee were banned, he didn't have very many choices there. They're obviously afraid of spirit on Graves, Kindred, Nidalee, these types of champions. But sure. it's about the way Fnatic played the game too. Because when you get certain, you can take these picks, but you have to play them a specific way. And when they see the Jin and the Thresh, we see why it's very difficult to use these champions at the current time. It's not that Jin isn't strong. He is, but he needs to be played around. And what Fnatic did was they took their double TPs and they just dove the Jin all day and just kept killing Hyarnan 
and taking turrets every single time. And that's how the Rocks Tigers play. You wait for the wave pressure. What they did was playing nearly identically to the Tigers. You sit there, get everybody to level six, then you create a big minion wave, shove it into the turret with the Jin or the, the most vulnerable champions, and then everybody just TPs down there for a tower dive. The other team can't respond because they don't have two TPs. You kill their low mobility champion or their vulnerable champion, and then you take the tower. Then you just follow that champion around the map. As soon as he switches up to the top side, you go up there, you do it again. And then you take that turret too. And it was it was really, really well played by Fnatic. In fact, out of all the teams that were in the playoffs, I think Fnatic adapted the best to this patch and the best to the strong style of play right I mean, didn't it also help to have the whole top lane scenario hit Kavashad right in the face and then Gamsu be fine as a result? Yeah, again, it's the, the Gamsu is a major benefactor of being able just to play tanks in the top lane and have them be strong. With all the nerfs that came into Fiora, basically, who is the tank buster, like, that's what people don't understand, is that Fiora was the pick that was kind of keeping a lot of these tanks from, from being picked and, like, forcing everybody to go more towards a, a carry top lane meta. Because she was the one who could split push versus any tank, so if you picked a tank, it was going to be extremely hard for you in the late game to play against the Fiora. But now that she's been nerfed into the ground, uh, people are less afraid to pick tanks and no one else can bust them as effectively and get into a split push. So we've moved away from a split push Fiora meta or a ban Fiora meta, then try and play a tank into a, a meta where the tanks are the kings with the exception of possibly Rives, right? But what did you think really in game hard. two? Where Vitality decided to waste the ban on Cassidin just because Febber used it in game one. That was dumb. Seems like an, an unusual ban, right? I mean, at, at that point well, in time, especially you, because you especially because that. in game one, the the Cassidin wasn't the reason why Vitality lost. Vitality lost because they did literally nothing on the map. They had certain advantages, and they refused to push them. They refused to punish the Cassidin or make any play whatsoever. So I, I just think they were inactive, and it was a problem with their willingness to commit to playmaking rather than the Cassidy itself. I mean, maybe they think, okay, well, if we're going to play long games, so we don't want the Cassidy in there, but the next game, Fnatic just wrecked them. So, okay, can this approach of, like, mimicking the Rocks Tigers, is that a one-off for this series, or is this something you think can be replicated elsewhere in the playoffs? I think they're going to replicate it elsewhere okay so on the vitality side of things why didn't kabashad carry the series aside from just the tank issue is that it um i'm sorry you cut out there what why do you think kabashad couldn't carry uh tank issues like you're saying uh also he just played badly he was overextending and dying or getting caught out and having to recall so he just he wasn't on his game either i mean again don't want to sound like a broken record but another player who doesn't have a history yet of playoff success he played well, in gambit also, they got beaten he played in uh let me think a, the other gambit that didn't make the playoffs he doesn't have the history yet you have pe unless until people do it you can't just give them the crown you know they've got to earn it yeah, Deficio is also messaging me right now, and he thinks the Cassidy ban was because they wanted to early pick Azir again, and that they tunneled on Azir, which is fair because Cassidy is a good matchup into Azir. Um, but 
yeah, I think that that is definitely a good point that he brings up. But I think that the bigger problem is that with Ka in Cabochard's case too, if you don't have, if you're a top laner right now and you don't have a mid laner with TP, you can't make your TP as effective because you'll always be in a 4v5 scenario if you TP in and the other team has two TPs or somebody who can roam very fast from the mid lane like a LeBlanc. So that's a that's another problem. So Cabochard actually one of the issues is he can't shine in this series because it re required more coordination that his team didn't have. It's also a credit to Spirit because every time the Azir tried to come and make plays, Spirit would just stand in the, in the enemy jungle and intercept uh, intercept the Azir with Kindred and then just like duel him and force him out of the fight. So Spirit was in the right place at the right time too. So Fnatic put in zero bans onto Graves, onto Gangplank, obviously for Nitality with the one banning Graves out. Could Cabochard have just picked carry champions and just tried to carry? Like to me, this series feels like an example of what I hate in modern coaching, which is this notion that, oh, yet yeah, no team should be based around like a star player. Like everyone in the team has to be really versatile and capable of carrying and adapting to whatever the meta is. That's all great. If you have Kobe Bryant in your team, you're not just going to be like, yeah, sorry, mate, you're going to go a different route with this one and give the ball to someone else. Like you have to have your stars carry the game. Like, Kianan isn't going to just come out of nowhere and carry the whole fucking series for you. Like, don't be ridiculous. That's not what's expected of him. What do you think about this approach of not even going towards the carries? Well, Should they have brute I mean, forced it, basically, since it is the main way they win their games? I mean, Cabochard has played like a lot of graves and stuff this season. It's his most picked champion, but he's been pretty diverse with his champion pool overall, so we should assume that he can probably play uh, a lot of these like top lane carries, but there wasn't any emphasis like I guess I'm just confused too by what their preparations were coming into this because Vitality, like, they just didn't look like they knew what to do in this meta. They didn't look like they knew it was strong. I mean, we don't, it, it, the, one of the other disturbing things is we didn't see any rise picks in any of these games. And neither did we see any rise bans. Like, what's going on there? Origin banned rise in all their games against Unicorns of Love. Like, shouldn't you know that rise is strong if you have a carry top laner? You think so, right? Seems a little odd. So okay, I think they just had, I think they just totally misread the meta. I mean, they were also again because Singh was on Thresh and Morgana, which are fine because he excels on like playmaking pick supports. But that's not what's strong right now. And if you want people to stop diving you, those are not going to be the supports to do that. So okay, that whole vitality hype is dead. I mean, I don't want to misremember something because it is hard sometimes to remember what people have tweeted and, and mischaracterized. But I think, unless I'm mistaken, wasn't it someone like Deficio who made some sort of bold claim that he thought like Vitality could win it all or they could just go the whole way or so, something? So there's, there's some people made some very bold claims about Vitality, I remember, on Twitter and in comments. So, I mean, I thought they were good. I thought they were going to make the semis, obviously, in the scenario. I thought Fnatic looked fairly bad towards the end of the split, but... I do think Vitality hype was a little oversold, especially as, as we've discovered, it was all predicated around the notion that the top lane can play carries. Like, and when that didn't happen, not as good. Yep. Here's another question for you. So, okay, maybe, I mean, he wasn't playing it much anyway. Maybe you don't put Cabochard on Gangplank. But Gangplank isn't banned. Why is Nuke Duck never getting it? Why is he just sat on his ear all game? <laughs> he did get it in the final game, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. I mean, the, the issue in the final game is they didn't have any early game damage outside of the Sivir, and their magic damage was a little bit lacking, so pretty easy to itemize armor against that. I mean, he only played it in the last two games. Before, he tried to play Azir twice, and basically, unfortunately, had was yeah. a non-impact in the game. 
I mean, he did play it in their win, though, so you have to consider that. And they played a very similar composition in the last game that not exactly going to to work out for them. The Jin came in again. I don't know if the Jin was the best pick here, and I also don't know if Cly on the on the Thresh was number one, as it were, but it did okay. So okay, Fnatic now goes forwards and they play against G two. Now my big now the way I want to set this up, and people are going to think this is unfair. G two for me is like Vitality. We've only seen them play a regular season. They've smashed from certain positions in such games that you go, wow, sick team. But they're now playing a team who has tenure, who know how to play series, who adapt, blah, 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 all the rest of it. And we still don't know what will Perks be like in a series. Still don't know. By the way, can I just say this point here, Monty? Because it's going to tilt you as well. Every time I talk about like a player like a Cabochard hasn't played in a series, you know what people say to me? Can you guess? See if you can guess what they'll say to me. No clue. He dominated in Challenger series. Oh god, that's a real yeah. argument I've heard people use. So that's there's really people who think they know a lot about the game. Think, well, if he didn't choke in a Challenger series match, have you ever heard of Febervin? You ever heard of that guy? You ever, ever seen him play any games? I out your fucking mind. Every level is a new level, and you can never be sure as you go up the rungs of the ladder, you're going to the next one. You can have all the talent in the world. Some players never get past that. There's actually famous examples in other games where, I mean. Okay, here's a great example. Okay, I'll give you an NFL example. Of all time, I know most experts consider Peyton Manning one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But it's almost inarguable. Yeah, the guy, it's almost inarguable he has choked in many big playoff series. It doesn't mean he's not a no. wicked player. It just means for whatever reason, nerves get to him. And he's a fucking professional sportsman of 20 years. Well, there's another example there too that does actually correlate somewhat to, to what you're saying, which is that Ryan Leaf famously was in the same draft class as Peyton Manning. And there were these two amazing quarterbacks coming out of college. And Ryan Leaf was drafted first by the Chargers, the San Diego Chargers, uh, in that draft. And then Peyton Manning was taken second, actually, right? And one of them no longer even plays at the NFL. And the other one, he's considered one of the biggest draft busts of all time. And Peyton Manning was actually taken no, he was second. The, and Peyton Manning was taken. Peyton Manning was taken first, apparently. Oh, oh yes, he was. Yes, you're right. The key thing right. is that, as far as I remember, the story was that the Colts were thinking whether they should take Leaf instead. Yes, I yes, that's the yes, way right. That's the that's the right story. Sorry, yes, but right. they were really right. considering it. It's the point where one went on to be one of the best of all time. Yep. The other one you don't even know anymore, and that was a real Correct. consideration. And they were the top two. Again, they hadn't played yes. at the NFL yet. They'd been both fantastic yes. in college. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I, I think so. They're. So, yeah, my general point with that is, listen, it's great if everyone makes it, if every Feathervin makes it, if every Dardock makes it. But as I've mentioned, for everyone that does make it, there are more that don't. There are more that we never do see replicate the amazing like Challenger series or the amazing regular season games where they're just going off. There are more that don't make it in playoff series. I mean, the number of people in LCK that we've seen this happen to who are like wicked players, some of them have never played in a final. You know, it's like there's a there's a lot of players. I mean, that, this is the reason why the people who make the finals and win them are the greatest players of all time. It's not some coincidence. They ha they have all the talent, and then they have the extra factor of like calm under pressure, or can adapt, or they work all well with teammates. This is like an extra factor you have to consider into it. So, okay, the question is, G two versus Fnatic. Now, on paper, we're supposed to say, yeah, okay, so Fnatic, you got okay, you got vitality, well done. You got you locked out with the patch. Cabochard couldn't play. He couldn't be the dominating force. Okay, well done. You got lucky once, but you know what? That's it. it stops here because G2, they're dominating team, sick jungle and mid presence. 
absolutely fantastic side. They managed to finish first in the split. G2 is supposed to win the series, right, Monty? Yeah. I First off, yes, I think actually they will win. Uh, the reason why is because, first off, G2 have always played this entire season a style where Trick and Perks work together to roam well on the map. So they're going to be less taken by surprise uh, at aggression that's targeted at them and these turret dives. I think they'll be prepared actually for this meta much better than a lot of the other teams will be. So there, there are more factors, I think, in G2 that say this is a team that is ready to play a fast-paced, aggressive game because that's what they've been playing all season. Also, Kikis has been playing basically only tanks this season. He has played two games of Fiora and otherwise it's been tanks. This tank, is his tank, time, tanks. Monty. This is his this time. This is his time. This is his time. This is his time. Uh, maybe Emperor has been playing a little bit too aggressively, but for the most part, uh, a hybrid's also been playing all the right meta supports, in my opinion. A lot of Braum, a lot of uh, Alistair, a lot of Trundle. A lot of Bard. The Thresh is still in there, but otherwise those are the five supports he's played this season. And then Perks. He'll be ready to play Lissandra. You know, he's played Lissandra a bunch this season. Uh, this is this is a team that is perfectly ready to uh, to basically shine in this meta. So as much as Fnatic has done to adapt, I think in the three weeks that G2 hasn't played, they have to make relatively minor adjustments to prepare themselves. And it fits in with the mold of how they've been playing all season long. I've referred to them previously as playing like the European Rocks Tigers. They've been doing it the same level of early game aggression. I think it'll serve them well here. So I think this is 3-1 to G2. So here's my question. Is that one of the approaches that, as we've mentioned before, was uh, the guys from... Uh, okay, so in terms of the jungle matchup, isn't that going to be a problem in this matchup? Isn't Trick just going to... I mean, I'm not going to have to waste all their bans on Trick. Surely if you give him the carry champions, he's just going to go off. Well, right, but they need those carry junglers too. That's the problem. And they need and, them as well. You know, Fnatic has... Yeah, Fnatic has spirit. So I think maybe you don't ban that because you you will just want your Koreans to fight each other in the jungle. Um, maybe you try and take some pick away, picks away from perks. I don't know. I don't know what the strategy is going to be. I mean, I do think that huge I do think in terms of I do think that G two will ban Jin because Jin is not an AD carry that Emperor plays. Oh, by the way, I can actually tell you this now. So remember, I, a long time ago, I told you that story about the the overly aggressive AD carry whose coach made him play nothing but Kogma to teach him yeah. better positioning. Sure, everyone that thought was it was Imp. By the way, everyone thought it was Imp. If you ever pulled it was Emperor. Okay. So this is yeah, when he was, was on Xenix, which makes a lot of sense. That was when he was on Blaze. Oh, right. Okay. And that's his problem. He still overextends. Yes. <laughs> Goes to nuts. He's like European wild turtle. So one of, obviously the big matchup in that series is Febivan versus Perks. Like Perks, one of the great things about him is he has a mad wide champion pool. This guy did not just sit on yep. one champion at all. Febivan has been very good. He's certainly been, I think, the best player on Fnatic when you look at how they've played overall. What do you think can happen there? Like, should be really like in terms fun. of where the meta's at right now. Like, will we see like, will it be like Azir Z every game? What do you think? What do you think we'll end up with? No, I think it'll be like Lissandra, LeBlanc, uh, these kind of champions that are super strong right now. Maybe, hopefully, we'll okay. see some Azir. I think Azir is really powerful. The right hands, Perks has played it. Uh, Fevvin, we know, played it a lot last year. So. 
I just really hope Pucks doesn't have any chokes in this series because he's done so well throughout the whole split. It's been really good. I think there's not any sign of potential, but but he is seventeen years old and this is his first ever big playoff season. He's got to play a team that's I got veterans on it. Yeah, and I think that this is going to be a really, a really good series. Actually, should be fun to watch. You've said that one of the things about the G two team is that they always get this great 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 snowball going with trick and then they can like basically capitalize off of that in terms of fanatic adapting is it actually possible for them to just like go ham in the early game and to just then to rest that away and to not allow that to start going is that even going to work for their style what do you think i think i think it will they did it i think they did it previously so why can't they do it again they finally have a meadow where spirit can be on these carry junglers so why not just go for it i think it's going to be a lot of early fighting and a lot of like very dynamic teleporting and skirmish play. Should be, like okay. I said, I think it's going to be fun. So who did you have winning that? G2 by what? 3-1. Okay, 3-1. And then we had H2K, play, uh, Unicorns of Love, rather, play Origin. Now, when they played in this series, uh, let me think. Okay, so the big problem with this series was Unicorns of Love. Was I don't like want to spend, I, I don't, I don't want to spend yeah. much time on this series. This series yeah, was really it, bad. Let's do it quick then. So why was Unicorns of Love so underwhelming? What, what wasn't there that was in the split? I don't know why they were so underwhelming. I don't think their drafts were particularly terrible. I think that they were smart to be putting Fox on the oh, Is it me who's died? Am I the one who is dead? Sure seems like it. I'm alone on the internet. Oh, it was Monty. Right, we'll go to a break quickly while we wait for Monty to come back. okay we're back so i think it cut off for the whole answer there pretty much what was the basic reason what what was different about unicorns of love 
I just think Vizicacci played really poorly. Um, I, 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 I don't know, man. Like this, this series is kind of a mess. I think both teams made like a lot, a lot, a lot of errors. I don't think the closures were the cleanest from Origin either. So this, this series is kind of a mess from both sides, which is why I don't really have a lot of faith in Origin, even though it was a three zero. Like certainly, I think they stepped up to a certain degree, and Sven did a really good job of like hard carrying in this series. But it was a pretty sloppy affair for both teams. Like a lot of kills, but a lot of really stupid deaths and unnecessary fights. Because okay, let me just double check something. I want to get this fact right when I check this. Okay, so yeah, because here's an interesting fact for you, Monty. Remember that Steelback was voted the All-Pro AD Carry first team. So he was voted best AD Carry in Europe by LOL Esports. Whoever vote. By the way, did you vote for that? What? No, of course not. You didn't vote in that thing. Because remember, they said they had a panel of like commentators and players, and suddenly everyone was coming out the woodwork like, I didn't do that. And then we looked. Jat and DeFisher yeah, but... perfectly reasonable picks. It's like, who the fuck did vote for these? <laughs> Well, the players voted too, and that's the problem. Is the players just like put things down without thinking about them very much or comparing them? You know, how pro, pro, pro players are they? They're not going to look at statistics. They're not going to take a really deep dive into that. So, I think. So how do you feel about Steelback then? How how did the yes, all pro? I, I, let me let me clarify this. Let me clarify this right now. I I would I would not vote in that, um, and I'm not participating in the power rankings anymore because I do not do any work with Riot Games based on their freelance rates. And basically that would be me, me doing work for free. I did it previously with them when I was hired uh, to do their, their international events, but I'm not doing any of that, none anymore. Okay. So not contributing to any of these polls, not contributing to any of these power rankings, nothing. So just to make that clear. So what did you think of Steelback then? I mean, if someone gets voted I think he best went off position. Position. Uh, I think he had a good season, and I think he's shown a lot of improvement. But I think Sven was like the only thing that was holding Origin together for most of the season. Um, I, on the whole, I think a lot of the European eighty carries have been underwhelming. Even Emperor plays, you know, too aggressively at times. But Forgiven's been there. I think he's been good. Sven, I think it's been good. I put both those guys ahead of. Him. Did Origin fix their shot calling and their ability to play macro? Do they have a better understanding no, now? No, no, absolutely not. Those games went on way too long. There were a lot of really poor decisions made by Origin, even in those wins. No clean closure. That's why I think that they're just going to get wrecked by by G two or uh, by H two K. Okay, well, you have H two K winning that comfortably. Three zero. Go for the go for the bold calls today. Three zero. Okay. It's not going to be any any jokes from anyone on H2K. They're not going to underwhelm or well, where's, where's, the, where's the strength? Like, where's the strength that we see from Origin? It's it hasn't been the best season from you know from really any of their players besides Sven. And now Sven has to go. Oh God! Did he really just leave? Am I alone again? Get back to a break. We we right back after these technical problems. Sorry. Again. Cut out there for a second. Right, we're back again. That was a very short right. break. So yeah. you were just describing the lack of uh, threats on Origin, basically, aside from Sven. Well, it's just the matchups. Like, okay, well, where are you going to get the big advantages? Is it going to be Power of Evil into Ryu? Probably not. Is it going to be Soez into Odo Omne? I think Odo Omne's, I think Soez performed better in the playoffs, but I think Odo Omne's had a better season. Yeah, I'm going to get in that playing, 
Yeah, and Yanko like versus amazing. It's not a lot of not a lot of positives here. Maybe maybe you can say that like Mithy has been a little bit like or on par with Vander, but I think Mithy that would have been true last year, but I think Vander and Mithy are very close in terms of skill this year. And obviously like forgiven. I mean there's just not when we see the coordination that H2K has, I think that it's not going to be a close series. Sure. And obviously, I think H2K has better, better macro play, and there's not an individual player that I can really point to and say, this is the guy that's going to carry or, uh, Origin out of this. And that's obviously, again, this is a, a narrative I've harped on a lot with H2K, is that it's such a well-balanced team and with so many threats all over the place that this yep. whole meta change in the top lane is no problem whatsoever. This is not in any sort of issue. Especially because Odo Omni excels on tanks. So. And Odo Omni, I think, has been playing as uh, his TP usage has been really good. So he should be able to be there with the rest of his team. Okay. Faster so, than Soaz. His TP usage has been substantially better than Soaz's this year. So in contrast to NA, where you have the two low seeds making the final, we've got the two number one, number two seed making the final in Europe. That's that's my prediction. Okay, so before I forget, before we do the LCK part, obviously we have the Alpha Draft matchups. And in, in the, what they've done for the semis is you have an EU and an NA semi together. So you have H2K Origin and CLG Team Liquid and the fixtures together. And then presumably there'll be another one that will be the other matchups, which is G2, Fnatic, sure. and uh, Immortals, TSM. So in this matchup of H2K OG and CLG Team Liquid, first of all, which is the best matchup of those? That sounds H2K like what you said CLG, right? Uh, I think the CLG Team Liquid game, and yes, the Bloodbath, because it's a Team Liquid game, I think will occur. Uh, so I think this is going to be, I, and again, I, I'd go for Piglet, Dardock, Phoenix. These guys are would be my picks for this series. So Dardock is actually the third out of four cheapest jungler in this. Definitely take, definitely take Dardock. <laughs> And also Phoenix. In fact, Team Liquid, as far as I can tell by stats, Alpha Draft is favoring CLG in all the matchups. So obviously going off the season stats. So you get Team Liquid to steal here, right? I would say so, yes. I mean, this is where you make a team with the carries of H2K and then you put Team Liquid players around them. That sounds like the plan. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So I don't know if the contest is up yet, but if the other one is up as well, let me just check if the other is up. So I don't think they have semis two up yet, but we know what it's going to be anyway. We could probably guess it's going to be reasonably similar. So the other one will be the G2 Fnatic and the TSM versus Immortals. Now, based on what you said here, and based on the way Alpha Drafts placed these players in terms of money, I can almost guarantee you Immortals players will be more expensive than TSM players. Therefore, in Monty's world, get the TSM players, right? You can get yep. double lift. You can get Bjergsen. Yeah, these are probably going to be the big carries. I mean, even with Svenskrid's performance last week, Svenskrid might be worth going for if you believe that he can duplicate that kind of performance, but it will be harder against Rainover, clearly. Sure. And then the other matchup is going to be the uh, G2 Fnatic one. So Here's the thing. Are there any cheap players that you can probably get here? You can guess that. Because obviously that means probably taking a player who's not favored. Like, is there a Fnatic player that's worth getting, do you think? Um, 
probably not. Maybe Febivin, if you can really go. I mean, off, I guess but... you might not need it because if the TSM players are cheap, you can just take G2 players and TSM players, basically. Yeah. You yeah. can probably put that yeah. together. That's, that makes sense, I think. Okay, right. Well, let's do some LCK then before we wrap up. So, no, over I gotta LCK. Go, man. <laughs> I got to go. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, I do. I'm we'll so, talk about I'm Korea. <laughs> well, because like, the Korean playoffs, we'll talk about it next week before they actually start happening. So, okay. All right. Well, Sound good. I'm going to be going as well. So, everyone, if you're not going and you want to play LCK or LCS or whatever, do it by the numbers. <laughs>